Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday the 13th and we are reading from the Big Book and we are on page 50. We will be reading the fourth paragraph and sharing on that one paragraph. Today's readers are Barbara E. for the 12 Steps, Jen A. for the 12 Traditions, Katie G., and to be determined are reading the text today. Uh, reference numbers, very important numbers. Yesterday's 7 a.m. meeting, 11282. Yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting, 11284, and those times are Eastern. Overeaters Anonymous Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Barbara E., would you please read the 12 steps of OA? Good morning, everyone. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do this service. Pass. And thank you for 
jumping in there. Um, Jen A, would you please read the 12 traditions of OA? Thanks, Laura. Thanks for your service today. I'm Jen A, recovered in Colorado. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Jen A. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And about 10 seconds before, I will give a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you have done sharing, please let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the person speaking should be muted. Today, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> Excuse me. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 50 and we will be reading the fourth paragraph that starts here are thousands of men and women and we will be commenting on that one paragraph. And so would Katie G please get us started with reading. Good morning, Ms. Mora. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and do 
certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they showed the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith starting my timer. This paragraph is incredible. So the first thing that comes to me is, you know, this isn't just a small change that is about to happen. And it's not a change in my eating. That is just part of it. There is a revolutionary, a radical, fanatic, extreme change in my life. I had to have that. I had to move from a self-centered woman to an other-centered woman. And I couldn't do it. But I had to have a revolutionary change in the way I live and the way I think. Um, And what I find so interesting is like, So in this, and I can't do it. Like a lot of times people say, oh, well, I'm going to do these changes. I can't. I cannot change myself. And I find it interesting that it says a new power, peace, and happiness. So, you know, the promises also say we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And what that means is KDG is not going to turn into a princess and win the lottery and ride off into the sunset, right? It's a new power, peace, and happiness. God has come into my life, inside of me, and revolutionized my life that I don't need all that stuff I thought I needed. And and God directs me. And moving on, the reason that this is my favorite paragraph, better than the bedevilments, is the line, making heavy going of life. Okay, who cannot relate to that like even as a recovered woman today in these 24 hours i can say um life is so hard i have to call on the vision meeting and i'm absent i have to show up for my life and my family (sighs) i mean the problem is inside me right like i say oh i want this great life god like i'm yours i trust you god starts giving me the life and it's like Oh, life is so hard and I want a pity party, but that is why I have step 10, 11, and 12, you know, because I can't afford it. It is the dubious luxury of normal men. And um, it talks about the disease inside is inside me, leaving aside the food problem, why living is so unsatisfactory, and that the consciousness of the presence of God, which for me is abstinence and the 12 steps, I have to re- be and remain entirely abstinent and work the 12 steps each and every day so that I can continue continue to understand that like life and you guys and my husband and my family are not out there to satisfy my selfish demands every day. Holy smokes, this world, the sun, moon and stars does not go around me. And today, thank God, I say, God, use me. How can I be of service? And um just closing with this, like the consciousness of the presence of God. I need to move from a a a sleepy tired, exhausted, unawake, selfish woman to a woman who's awake, alive, and aware, and willing and able to have God move through her. So I'm just going to keep showing up one one more day and stay out of heavy going. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. 
So pressing star one and giving me your first name and last initial, one at a time, please. Who would like to share on the paragraph we just read? Kim G. Larry K. I heard Kim G. and Larry K. There was someone else before all of that. Elizabeth L. Elizabeth L. Barbara E. Barbara E. Kathy G. Kathy G. One more will take. Can you tell me again where was the reading started? Is it on page 60? We're on page 50, five, zero. Oh, thank you. And it's the fourth paragraph down. Yes, ma'am. You said 55. Okay, let's go with this lineup. We've got Kim G, Larry K, Elizabeth L, Barbara E, and Kathy G. Kim G, would you get us started this morning? Thank you. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Gosh, what a power-packed paragraph. You know, I personally love, I'm such a big book geek, but I love finding places in the big book where it kind of summarizes the steps in a sentence or two. So I see that in here. It says, Slightly to care that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves and to take a certain attitude towards that power, which to me is steps one, two, and three, to do certain simple things, which is steps four through nine, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking, 10, 11, and 12. So there in one paragraph, we're being told what, is, what to expect through this amazing transformation of our thoughts and ideas. You know, I love how it says in here, too, that this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. You know, because I don't know about you, but I want that, I want that when I put the food down. You know, I still remember speaking at a meeting where they gave out coins, and this, they gave this 30-day coin to this girl, and she came up, and she very meekly took the coin and said, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to take this coin. She's like, I've been in LA for 10 years. I have so many of these coins at home, but I've never gotten a 60-day coin. Why is that? It's because we can white-knuckle it for a certain period of time, but if we're not addressing the larger aspect of our disease, that mental twist, what is my book telling me? It's telling me that over and over and over again that I will be in that doctor's opinion cycle unless I have an entire psychic change. You know, I think to myself, too, when I got my master's um, many years, well, five, six years ago now, that, you know, a, a master's is 60 credits. And I couldn't just take any 60 credits I wanted to and say, give me a master's. I honestly could take 100 credits. And unless I took the credits that were required for the master's that I wanted to get, I wasn't going to get the degree. And not only did I have to take the 60 credits, I had to take them in a specific order, and there were prerequisites and requirements in order for me to get that degree. But yet in Overeaters Anonymous, I thought I could use the steps like a twister game, right hand red, left hand blue, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. And of course, abstinence was optional. I had to understand if I want the clear-cut, specific, direct results that are in this book, I was going to have to do the clear-cut, specific instructions in that book. And I'm going to end with this, that last sentence, and it reminds me of my years in OA. It says, Many people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God today is the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. For years and years, I said in OA, and I believed in OA, abstinence is the most important thing in my life today without exception. 
And let me tell you, when abstinence was my only focus, I was miserable at, at, at the will of the, of the uh, mental twist. So the biggest gift I give everyone that I come into contact with today is that recovery in my relationship with my higher power is the most important thing in my life today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Elizabeth L. Good, good morning, Maura. Thank you for your service. <clears throat> you, know, the, um, you know, it talks about the revolutionary change, and it talks about, you know, the fact after we met a few simple requirements. See, for me, the practical program of action has resulted in a, a greater intersection between the material world and the spiritual world. We've, we've been reading about that. And, and here's one of the revolutionary changes that occurred in me. See, what was, what was in me, what was, it, what was it that was in me? You know, I have to ask myself that, that absolutely needed credit and validation for, for the positive changes in my life. I, I wanted you to know that I put the food down and, and lost a few pounds and you know, and I can go out and get my dance card punched, you know, and, and my bias was that the realm of the spirit had nothing to do with, with my success in life. It was my diet. It was my exercise regimen. It was my actions and my results. And then it was my divorce and my lies and my manipulation and my isolation. See, what I came to find out through these 12 steps that, was that there was, you know, innumerable ways in which the spirit would unfold in my life. And I, and I found that out by doing the steps. It was an experiential deal. And someone along the way gave me a, a shorthand summary for the 12-step process. They said that steps one, two, and three get me right with God. Steps four through seven get me right with myself. Steps eight and nine get me right with others. And steps 10, 11, and 12 keep me right with God with myself and with others, there, there is a flow, there is a rhythm to this. And, and, and through these actions, that's how the revolutionary changes come. It connects us to a, our deeper selves, to our relative smallness in the grandeur of life, you know, and our, our ego is temporarily suspended each day, maybe a little bit. And I, I think that when we take these steps with the right foundation of understanding. That's why we read these early chapters. I mean, why, why don't we just go on to the work? Well, because we connect to the spirit and that spirit animates something that's very essential in each of us. And so, yes, those revolutionary changes occurred. I'm a satisfied customer. I, I think I'm going to keep coming back. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Elizabeth L., it is your turn, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, everyone. This is Elizabeth L. in New Jersey. This is my first time sharing. Um, I'm fairly new to vision, and I just really um, like this paragraph a great deal. And as I was working uh, and studying with my sponsor, and she pointed out some things that, you know, though I've read it many times, I just never got it. And, um, you know, part of it was... Uh, what others have shared already, and uh, I just need to echo that, you know, the, the um, reasons why they were making heavy going of life, um, that, that was all me, you know, like life was going to happen, but I was the one, me, my reactions, my actions, my beliefs, you know, uh, my attitude, uh, 
things that I was doing to make my life worse than it needed to be. And um, the main part um, that stood out was when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And when my sponsor and I talked about that and, and talked about, you know, um, of all the things that I've said were important, um, that my actions showed were important, uh, when I was in the active addiction, it was not that the, God, uh, the presence of God was the most important thing. Uh, today, I'm grateful to find that abstinence is much easier when I have that consciousness of God as the most important thing in my life. Um, you know, getting along with my colleagues, my family members, um, dealing with life's circumstances is all better when I have the presence of God as a priority in my life. Because I realize now um, all these hundreds of people that I look at them and, you know, I say, I want what you got. Well, if I could have that, um, that then, you know, I really want to make it happen. What do I need to do? And it's to make God a priority in my life. So it's a, a good reason for me to have faith today. Um, it's been working for a, a while now, and I'm going to keep on working it. Thank you all for your service, and thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Elizabeth L. Barbara E., it is your turn, followed by Kathy G. Thank you so much. Wow, this is indeed a powerful paragraph. Thousands of men and women indeed declare that they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves. In the face of hum their human resources, they found a new power and peace. Each of our stories, yours and mine, and the ones we read in the book, explain how this transformation occurred. And each one is different. Um, we all eventually, if we work at it, receive the presence of our own personal conception of God, not in the time necessarily that I want, but in the time that God thinks I am ready to receive it. I have to persist until it's, I have given access to it. A, a couple of months ago, I mentioned that I drowned my phone. Immediately, I went to the Apple store, and I got a new one. I had no choice. I was intimidated by some of the new technology, but I read the manual carefully and I followed the directions carefully. And within two days, I was loving my new phone and what it enabled me to do. Why can't I go to a store and get a new spiritual app too? I could read the manual probably more than once and follow the directions to make sure I hadn't left anything vital out. I had been so convinced time after time that I could fix myself without relying on anything or anyone but me. But life was certainly not what I wanted for myself or my family. I had to admit defeat over and over again. I needed a new mental app that might give me access to a new way of thinking that could come about by giving away my skepticism and my defiance and accepting finally that my self-centered way of life was not working. And there were people on the phone 
and in the face-to-face who seem to have found something that could transform them by living on a spiritual basis. Could I do that? If the answer was yes, then I too was ready to take step two. And what did I have to lose? Everything that was making me miserable. What did I have to gain? Peace, serenity, tolerance, abstinence, other-centeredness. We were going to be learning in the days to come that the Wright brothers never gave up. And Edison said every failure brought him closer to the solution to his problem. Maybe it was time for me to throw away my prior theories on how to live and get to that appliance store. Oh, thank you. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Kathy G., it is your turn. Good morning, Maura, and thanks for your faithful service. And good morning, everyone. Grateful to be here with you today. It's Kathy G. from uh, Illinois, uh, and I can say that I'm recovered, which is very thrilling to me because uh, I really want to be an encouragement to newcomers today. I, I've kind of joked on the line that I've kind of been the turtle of the group. I've gone a little slower than uh, some of the people, probably most of the people in, um, on Vision have completed the steps, but it just took what it took, and I wouldn't change a day. I would not change a day because I have finally had a revolutionary change in my way of living and thinking, and it's radically changed my life and I definitely feel a power, a peace, a happiness and a sense of direction flowing into me um, on a daily basis. And I was thinking as I read this, well, the first thing I thought was actually funny uh, when we read, they show how the change came over them and I just couldn't help but think, yes, you can even have the change come over you while you're going through the change (laughs) because let me tell you, I mean, when you're dealing with hot flashes, life, you know, whatever's going on in your life, uh, trauma can happen, um, intensity happens, joy happens, but I don't have to any longer change those feelings. I can feel those feelings and I can share them with other people that I have been gifted to have met on this line at the convention um, and I can work them out so that they don't take me down. And I just feel a strength that has come into me. And I don't think the same way anymore. I honestly believe today that I don't have to pick up the first compulsive bite of food because I have tools, because I have listened to all of you, and I gained the faith that this could really happen for me. So newcomers, this can happen for you today. Just keep coming, keep sharing. Um, Dare to call a newcomer. Dare to actually do the work that it takes in doing the steps. You know, get a sponsor who's recovered and, um, and, and just hold on and enjoy the ride because God is really active um, and he really even cares about what we eat. He cares about 
how we think and what we do um, in our lives to help others who are suffering. And it's a great, great joy. Gentle so, reminder. So thanks so much, Maura. So glad to be here. And uh, I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. And so as a reminder or a notification first time, if you've joined us a little late, we are reading on page 50-5-0 in We Agnostics, and we are reading the fourth paragraph and commenting on that one paragraph. And so by giving me your first name and first initial, who would like to share? Press star one. Liz T. R. Melissa C. Somebody R, Melissa C. Who is the R? Nessa R. Nessa R. Leia D. Anyone else? Leia D. I'm sorry? Leia D. Leia D. Leia D. Okay. Anyone else? M. Somebody M? Leia M. Leia M. All right, this is who I have. Liz T, Nessa R, Melissa C, Leia D, and Leia M. Liz T, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Liz T, a recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. And um, I just really appreciate this paragraph a lot jumping out at me today. Um, to take a certain attitude toward that power a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. And next to that, I have written um, the few simple requirements is, for me was um, reaching entire abstinence and, and working the steps. So putting down the food and working the steps. What does that mean? For me, it meant... Um, finding a recovered sponsor from this line, um, following her uh, directions. She was holding the lantern for me, walking beside me. Um, the yeah buts became the yes ma'ams. Um, I, I could hear it in her voice that, that she had what I wanted, that she was dealing with difficult things in her life in a very sane, serene manner, which just baffled me. How, how do you do that without... Um, total um, calamity that, that I was used to, that unmanageability, whether I was um, abstinent or in the food, I was un my life was unmanageable. I needed a new way of living to be able to deal with life. Um, it, it, it reminds me, too, in the appendix on page 567 where it mentioned what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. That was me white-knuckling abstinence, trying to do, you know, all the self-help books about how to improve my life, um, you know, and, and it's, it's boiled down to everything I ever needed to know is in this book, pretty much almost, <laughs> you know, I can relate and, and use this book as a textbook for, for living, for life, and I was able to become recovered this last time with, within a few months. You know, it doesn't have to take forever. I don't have to take a month for each step. It doesn't have to take an entire year. I mean, it takes what it takes. If that's what it takes for someone, that's great. But but we can do this quickly um, when, when we're guided uh, by someone that's walked before us and that, that, that talks the talk and walks the walk. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for for being exposed to this group and this this way of living. Um, everyone that does service on here and comes day after day tirelessly, you are really helping us newcomers. You are really making a difference. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Liz T. Nessa R., it is your turn, followed by Melissa C. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. Uh, my name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Um, I love this paragraph because to me it contains a beautiful promise of something I never thought would be possible, that I can be okay and even happy regardless of the circumstances even in the, what to me may seem the most unfavorable circumstances, I can be okay. You know, my life uh, prior to recovery used to be a pity party. You know, everything was poor me. And of course, happiness always would come after certain requirements were met, you know, after certain simple requirements were met, after I was thin, after I had a lot of money, after, you know, I got married, after I had children, you know, whatever it was. And you know what, there were times in my life when I was really thin and I had lots of money and guess what, I wasn't happy. And then I met my husband and we got married and guess what, I wasn't happy and then I had kids and I wasn't happy. And you know, throughout all that, my disease was getting worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, and every time a requirement was fulfilled, another requirement appeared and of course, what that set me up for was, I was never happy and I could never, ever be happy. But now I'm being told in this very paragraph and throughout the big book what I need to do to actually be happy. And that requires a transformation, mainly a transformation of thought because my thoughts drive my feelings and emotions and they drive my actions. And how do I affect that transformation? I don't. I don't. God does that for me. How? You know, all I have to do is do my footwork, and it tells me here, what are they, as uh, the sharer before said. Number one, I got to put the foot down entirely. Every single food that causes me problems, that's got to go. And then I got to work these steps, you know, with the desperation of the drowning man, because my life depends on these steps. Uh, and the quicker I can work them effectively, the better off I will be. And now having done that, you know, um, for over six years, I am truly, truly happy. And it doesn't depend on the circumstances. It doesn't depend on getting what I want or, or things turning out my way. You know, I am happy and content even when they don't. And that is the miracle of it, a miracle that can, can only, that only God can make possible um, provided that I, I, I uh, meet um, these a few simple requirements, and I'm grateful that I did, and I passed. Thank you, Nessa R. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Leah D. Hi, good morning, Maura. Thank you for your service. This is Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and, you know, I used to hate paragraphs like this. Like, these were the paragraphs that made me cringe because, um, ugh, don't talk to me about God and revolution. Just get me out of my fat body, you know. And um, I, I really felt that way for a long time. And, 
yeah, so I didn't get very far, you know, because um, I was so focused on the symptom of my disease and not putting the food aside to really dive into what the real problem was. It was, you know, the symptom was the outward manifestation. It was what was calling my attention, but I was really damaged and, you know, suffer enough, um, the idea of a revolution becomes um, becomes welcomed. Like I was tired of being the governing force in my life because I was failing. You know, so I came in um, fat, you know, in, a, in an obese body and terrified, you know, and I lost some weight um, and I was still terrified. I couldn't live without this fear inside of me so much so that you know, I would drive to work in the morning and I would be having these outer body experiences. I would be feeling um, like I, I thought, I'm going to die, you know, and, and who cared anyway. And, um, and I couldn't function that way anymore. So the idea of a revolution, you know, somehow became um, welcomed. And I heard people here, you know, on this very meeting, which happened to be on this morning commute that was filling me with terror. And you guys were not full of fear. You know, you sounded like you had a new governor of your life. You had this new force, this new power. And although I couldn't see you, I knew that you weren't in fat bodies anymore. I just knew it. I could hear it. Um, and I wanted that. And so I put aside, you know, the food. That's first and foremost. I put the food down. And I started doing the work. And, you know, today, yeah, God, the power, this conception of a higher power is the most important thing in my life. And, you know, the benefit of having God first and foremost in my life, governing my life, is I'm no longer in a fat body and I'm no longer terrified. I can drive to work. You know, I'm calm today. Um, thank you. That With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah D, it is your turn, followed by Leah M. Thank you. Good morning, everyone here on the line. My name is Leah D, and I share today for my own recovery. Um, I lost my husband six months ago, and recovery's got to be number one. You know, it's funny. It says here, I hope I'm in the right paragraph on my phone. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. Well, this is 1939, and that line today should say there are millions of men and women, millions Millions, millions, millions. They can't all be wrong. They can't all be wrong. You know, I had to have a revolutionary change. Do you know it took me 42 years to really hit rock, rock bottom? I guess it's because when I was successful, even the first nine years in these rooms with the supported dieting and grazing the steps, you know, reading them, talking about them a little bit, you know, touch and go, touch and go. I guess supported dieting was my first rung on the ladder. And when I failed at that and I gained weight again and I fell again and they said, oh, just start again day one, I did that over and over again. And then for 13 years when I couldn't get a day one sitting in rooms, something was wrong, right? Something is wrong here. You don't gain 100 pounds again and again and again. Well, two years ago, something happened. I had a revolutionary change because I really hit bottom. I thought I was going to be dead. I couldn't hold it together anymore. 
I couldn't act as if. I couldn't just say, okay, HP and all this other crap that I was doing in my life, which, which, which I'm grateful for because I am alive today. But today, there was a revolutionary change in my thinking and the way I live and who I am and how I view you. I lived in total anxiety. I had out-of-body experiences all the time. There were parts of my life when I didn't go out for days and weeks for the anxiety was so great. The set-aside prayer, the golden key prayer, all the advice that I get from the people on this line keep me in the today and recovered. Food is not an issue in my life today as long as I prepare and take certain steps. That's not negotiable. If I let up on that, I'm dead again. I don't want to be dead again. I like getting up in the morning with 300 people on the line and chat and listen and feel like a hallelujah girl. It's really okay. It's more than okay. It's what God gave me today to be with you. And I wish you were all in my living room so we can hug and sway and do it. Because this is the answer. I searched for Big Book Recovery from all kinds of crazy places for a while. And then I found Vision. And two and a half years later, a revolution has taken place in my life and in my soul. And for that, I thank you all. And I can start another day today because I got a chance to share a little, to leave a little opening for God to put some more words and thoughts and feelings in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah D. Leah M., it's your turn. Thank you very much for your service. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves and to take a certain attitude toward that power and do certain simple things. You know, when I read that, um, I think about the fact that freedom isn't free, whether we're talking about uh, the state of the global uh, world or uh, the state of the nation again with death of food and uh, through the working of the steps, uh, death of ego, and of course that continues because more than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested. My own philosophy, my ideas, my self-sufficiency, my self-reliance, my beliefs, my core beliefs, uh, those attitudes that I had developed over time, uh, you know, running my own show, master of my own destiny, all that had to be confronted and overhauled because the reality was that I had more than just a compulsive overeating problem. I had a living problem. And uh, that's why abstinence was never enough for a real compulsive overeater of my type. Because abstinence is a physical solution. And I was suffering from a spiritual malady, unmanageability. And uh, so that's why I could never be happy. I couldn't be happy uh, in, in my active addiction, you know, compulsively overeating, and I couldn't be happy when the food was down, you know, uh, it was a miserable existence. I had to understand that this is about living without having to compulsively overeat. So if you're new to Overeaters Anonymous and you came here last week or you came here last month or three months ago, you know, you know everything there is to know about compulsive overeating. You're the authority on that because you've lived it. If you're a compulsive overeater of my type, what you don't know is how do you live in your own house with your own husband or your wife or your partner, your kids, go to your job, be with your colleagues, your boss, your mother, your father, and not compulsively overeat 
and do that happily? Well, that is the secret of the 12 steps. That's the freedom that I was aiming for. Uh, because it was either death or it was going to be freedom. There was no in-between for me. Uh, so the secret is how to do that. And that's, you know, what the 12 steps are all about. And that's what this relationship with a power that I had never met before, um, who is the uh, most powerful uh, and the most important fact of my life today, because it tethers me to something greater. There is a higher authority, something beyond me wrapping up. Yes, a spirit-guided mind. And with that, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Leah M. Okay, we have time, I think, for three, maybe four um, shares. Who would like to share? We're on page 50, the fourth paragraph. Please press star one and give me your first name list, Lisa B. Lynn S. Lynn S. Patty M. Patty M. Naomi B. Naomi B. We'll see if we can get to you, Naomi B., unless everybody does two minutes. So I've got Lisa B., Lynn S., Patty M., and Naomi B. Lisa B., would you get us started, please? I'm sorry. Hello? Yes. Good morning. Can you hear me? Thank you, Lisa. I can. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you, Maura, for your service. Um, I wanted to address the consciousness of the presence of God is today. So consciousness is awake, aware. I've been asleep. I've been walking uh, asleep really my whole life. I've made major decisions in a sleep state, who I'm going to marry, my career, um, many, many decisions, you know, I've done in my sleep. And it wasn't until I came here, really this program, OA, A Vision for You, where I could hear the voices, people that have walked this path that have achieved a recovered state and were able to share that with me. And then that word presence. Um, Presence, one of the definitions is a person or a thing that exists or is present in a place but is not seen. This unseen power, this higher power, my higher power that I've been able to tap into access to that's living inside of me, but doing the the steps, you know, like we've talked about steps, really the four through nine, but doing all of them, all 12 steps, and getting cleaned out. You know, there was muck and mire there that I didn't even know was there. I wasn't aware of the selfishness, the self-obsession. I mean, I knew it was there, but I just didn't know the the vastness of it. And today, still, I, I see it's like this massive iceberg. You know, it just goes down. It's so deep. It's so big. That's why I never arrive. I need to stay in the steps every day. But today, that consciousness, being awake, aware of this invisible presence, is the most important thing, but I had to get cleaned out of that muck and mire so I could access it. And today, it's the vital thing. When my day gets really big and full, I can't cut corners on that meditation part of listening, listening in silence. That's how my higher power speaks to me in the silence and the prayers. The prayers that are given in this big book have been so instrumental to me. If I just follow what this big book says to me and internalize it down to my gut, I can be free and live in that conscious presence. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Lynn S., it's your turn, followed by Patty M. 
Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. This paragraph is just really just settling in my heart right now. And when it talks about collapse and despair, total failure of human resources, confused and baffled by seeming futility of existence. And then it says, leaving aside the drink question. <laughs> and, it, you know, and it says, leaving aside the drink question, like I, I sort of thought that was my whole problem for so many years was the food thing. But then when I did come in, I can remember standing there and saying, it can't be that God looked down and said, I want you, Lynn Skilling, to be totally miserable, but everybody else in the world is fine, but you are going to be totally miserable. And I love, too, when the big book says think, you know, it says things that relate to my specific situation, like making heavy going of life. Well, my heavy going of life was dragging around an extra 140 pounds every single day in addition to living with the food problem and all the other problems. And when it says leaving aside the drink problem and acknowledging that there is so much more, I was going to say wrong with me, I'm going to say wrong with me than just the food. And I can remember, you know, standing in the kitchen going, I can't eat like this anymore. And what I meant by eat like this anymore was, you know, the two ounces of cottage cheese with the celery sticks and all this stuff, eating like that and then binging my face off and and maintaining this weight and I can't live like this anymore. There must be something wrong with me. And that huge aha moment. And then to be transformed. I'm doing so much step 11 work right now, but just to be transformed into a life where the character defects, there's a way to deal with them. Thank you, God, there are the steps and a way out of this seemingly futile existence and to have this connection with a higher power that is able to, with me working the steps and connecting to this God, remove the character defects that so plagued me. So leaving aside the drink question, I was able to deal with the things that make my life so unsatisfactory and still able to do them now and to lead a happy, free life. I am so blessed. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Patty M., it is your turn followed by Naomi B. if we can get you in. If uh, Patty and Naomi, if you should take two, two minutes, we can do it. Patty M., Hi, star one. Okay. Hello, this is Patty from Florida. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I've been in the program for a while, but I've just been very, very sick for about six weeks, and I lost my abstinence. And I've been reading in the big book about about the it says that you know if you have somebody who falls back again, that maybe they haven't done a thorough four step a thorough inventory, and I thought I did one, but now, as I'm reading more and more, I realize I need to do another one. I need to do it, and I need to be fearless, absolutely fearless to look at things about myself that are keeping me. 
um, having slips after slips. I know how this program works. I know how powerful it is to work the steps. But the, apparently I haven't, I haven't overcome or looked at some of them in a way that it keeps me abstinent, if I'm making any sense at all. But um, I just love this program. I just love that there are open arms for me all the time. I know that the answer is spiritual. I know I can put the food down, but if I'm not seeking growth in my spiritual life, then it's all for naught. Also, I have to realize that I'm mentally ill and that that healing comes from working the steps for a transformation of my mind. And I'm just so grateful that we have this meeting to come to in the mornings and listen to start out my day, to make a sure footing for moment by moment going through the day. I thank everyone who's a part of this meeting and all the people who have done service and all the people who have contributed this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Patty M. Naomi B. Yeah, I'm here, Maura. Thank you. Excuse me, Naomi B., it is your turn. Something with my phone. Okay, hi. Good good morning, Maura. Thank you for your service. Uh, Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. You've got two minutes, Naomi. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Hi, this is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves. And I never expected to know anything like that. I thought that I had it all, that I knew, yeah, I knew it all, as I had my face in a, in a hoagured bag of Doritos. And that wasn't the case. And then, of course, the other, this amazing sentence, the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of my life and I, and their lives. I mean... You know, when I hear people on the phone line, other phone lines, not this one, speak about how their abstinence is the most important thing, I stop and think about how I stood next to the gurney when my husband was in the emergency room where he almost died. What would food enter into that at all? I clung to God like I was glued to him because I knew I was I was like an ant. I was so powerless. I couldn't do anything. And thank you, God, he got through everything. But the food never entered into it. I mean, I had my lunch in my hand when I had to race over to the emergency room, and I said to God, I don't know what I'm going to eat again. And I didn't have to worry because God has my back. And this program, oh, my gosh, I'm working these steps. I cannot thank those who have gone before me that instructed me and taught me on these books, on this wonderful book, and the presence of God. The presence of God is in my life every single day. And thank you, God, I will never stop working the steps because I would be dead, as I was told so beautifully one time. So thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. On the money. Thank you, Naomi B. Thank you very much to everyone who shared today. I appreciate all of your shares. And that does conclude our meeting for today. Um, I would love to have... um, Excuse me. Thank you for everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's share ID 
11,291-11291. And we will now have a, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And Janice B., will you read that for us, please? Yes, thank you, Mark. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.